0: You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Robert Landon. Welcome to a Thursday edition of Locked On Texans. Always good to have our next guest in. It's the sports producer for the Triple Threat over on Sports Radio 610 and Brian McDonald, Good to talk to you, and I, I know you've been out at uh, Radio Row for the Super Bowl. What has that been like? I mean, that's an experience I know a lot of the fans might not get a chance to to check out and to to be a part of. What's it like to be out there?
1: In a word, chaos. Uh, it's fun though. Um, it's the first one I've been to. I haven't I haven't been to any other Radio Rows, so it's it's been interesting. It's uh it's very unique. You know, it's one of those things where. You know, you see Hall of Famers out there like uh, Tim Brown um, and Chris Carter. Then you turn the corner and you see national radio guys like Mike Francesca or or Mad Dog Russo, Mike Greenberg, whoever. And just, you know, everything in between. It was kind of funny. The other day uh, I came out of the bathroom and I was turning this corner to go back to where we were set up at. And I almost got run over by the actual Rudy that the movie was based <laughs> upon. So it's just one of those things where there, it's it's kind of sensory overload. Um, there's just you know tons of sound from you know, it, gosh, I don't know how many radio stations are there, but it, it's got to be close to a hundred, if not more. Plus, TV shows, uh, celebrities are everywhere. I saw Terry Crews walking around yesterday. You see Stephen A. Smith walking around. It's just, it's it's very odd. But I will say, um, you know, it took a while for us to get this, uh, well, third Super Bowl, but second Super Bowl at Reliant, now Energy Stadium. But I will say the Houston Host Committee has done a, a, a fabulous job. Uh, obviously, they couldn't uh, plan the weather, but the weather has helped out tremendously. But it's, uh, everything has been planned very well. And from what I've heard from people who have been to, Many radio rows, and this is just strictly from a selfish person perspective from someone who's there, they fed us very, very well, which apparently was not the case in almost every Super Bowl uh, radio row before this. So maybe uh, if the media is as happy as I get the impression they are we might have a decent chance of getting another one of these to come back uh, in the next uh, 10 years or so.
0: Yeah, it's always good to spread the word if you want the media to say something nice is to feed them really well. That's Oh, that's... yeah. Oh, yeah. What about the uh, most interesting character you have got a chance to meet or have, have on the show this week? Is there a, somebody that sticks out for you to this point? Bill Romanowski <laughs> is
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, kind of, yeah, he's kind of like, he's there every year but uh, Romanowski's great. Um we had this comedian named Craig Gass, on. I don't know if you've seen him before, but he's an impressionist like uh Frank Caliendo. and he he came on and uh we did whole we did whole segments uh without actually introducing him, just talking to these you know the guests that he was uh doing impressions of. That was kind of fun. And then you know, of course you got um hall of famers to varying degrees. Some are you know, it's weird, you know, as a, as a listener, I was never a fan of, uh, radio row radio. Cause you have all these guests come by, you get to ask them two or three football questions and you got to hear the pitch for whatever product they're selling. So, um, it's, it, it, there are some ups and downs, uh, but I, uh, there, we've had some, we had some Houston flavor yesterday, uh, on six ten. we had on Andre Johnson, DeAndre Hopkins, Corey Brewer, and then uh, a day before that, we had A.J. Bouye, and all those were were pretty good and uh, had some interesting content in them.
0: Well, uh, a lot of stuff's been going on in the last (laughs) 24 hours or so. uh, Texans-wise, a lot of news have come out. You know, the usual thing is uh, it's Groundhog Day, so you know the annual tradition, Brian, I I don't know if you know this, but Bob McNair comes out of the ground, and he looks to see if he sees – the shadow of of a quarterback and and if he doesn't yeah. you know he he goes back and and apparently oh, he, he, he saw that uh you know there was there was no quarterback so he said we need a quarterback in the draft a young quarterback. we are you, were you surprised that you know McNair admitted <laughs> that we hey we, oh. we had some issues here we need a quarterback and 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 then he also admitted that Savage is a guy that maybe is the Best chance of uh, starting, uh, best idea for a starter going into the season next year?
1: Well, first, since it's Groundhog Day, I hope we don't have to do this show in, in this loop like uh, Bill Murray did. But, um, no, I'm not surprised. Um, I'm not surprised by what uh, Bob McNair said. He, he, he has this – it's weird. He has kind of this truthful Tourette's where he – he, he, he the organization especially from the coaching staff and from rick smith is very much has the mindset of not giving the media anything and i have a feeling that if you ask bobby nair for a social security number he in a way would find a way to give it to you he just he can't help himself but to open up so it's weird and i wish he wouldn't uh you know i, I the way the secretive uh Bill O'Brien is at times, does annoy me, so maybe this is a bit um, talking out of both sides on my part. But I think there's got to be a happy medium between telling everybody everything like Bob McNair does and and not giving away anything like um, um, Bill O'Brien does. I mean, obviously they need a quarterback. We all knew that, but I, I don't like him saying, yeah, we have to do about it, go about it in the draft, because now... In the minds of every team above them uh, the twenty four picks above them, if the Texans want to trade up, then they could send some desperation, maybe that they already know that's there, but why add anything on if you don't have to? why let teams know what your intentions are that way the price doesn't go up if they if they know you have to do something so I don't like that. We saw that kind of last year where you know uh he, he openly talked about they had to get a quarterback and that in some way, I think led to the decision to well, Wilder's the best we can do, so let's throw let's throw the money at him that's necessary to get him signed, and that ended up being a terrible decision. So no, I don't like him um, talking about it. Though I do agree, uh, though I do agree with what he wants to do. I do, I do want to see them draft a quarterback in the first round. I mean, the people have talked about Jay Cutler, Tony Romo, all these veterans and. Yeah. I mean, they always, see, I always tried to make the counter argument against those like, well, he's better than Brock Osweiler. Well, we can have that conversation about everybody in the league. I mean, that's not really a fair comparison. We should be aiming higher than just being better than Brock Osweiler. I don't want a veteran like Tony Romo who can't stay healthy. I don't want a veteran like Jay Cutler who's proven to be nothing more than mediocre and turns the ball over, uh, without seemingly caring about it at all. So, uh, you know, most Super Bowl winning teams draft their quarterback. That's the route the Texans should go. They should aim high. If they need to move up, they should move up. And uh, to the Tom Savage point, I mean, yeah, I think I would let Savage start in the short term if that rookie isn't ready, but i would probably not planning my future around him.
0: Well, would you be interested in a young guy, let's say somebody named Jimmy with the last name Garoppolo, that's not a rookie, but as a, as a younger quarterback, uh, this is going to be my canned question. Where are you on the Garoppolo thing? Because I'm going to be—I think I'm going to be asking people about this at least for the next three or four weeks, unless unless something changes and, and he's traded uh, or, or you know that happens maybe with the Cleveland Browns or something like that pretty soon.
1: Yeah, see, that's the thing. I w- I would actually be interested in Garoppolo. At least he's—I uh, don't know his exact age, but I assume he's 25 or younger. Um, yeah, no, I would be interested in him. Uh, I don't think I'd, I'd – uh, if I were if, – if I'm putting myself in Rick Smith's shoes, I don't think I'd be willing to pay the price it's going to take, especially now that Cleveland's interested. I think Cleveland being interested uh, with multiple first-round picks at their disposal probably puts you out of the Jimmy Garoppolo market because even if you wanted to beat their offer, I don't think you can. I mean their first-round picks are higher than yours, so um, kind of where I was – at with Jimmy Garoppolo as I like him. I mean, obviously, it's a short sample size, but in that short sample size, he certainly played better than uh, Brock Osweiler did, and he played really well. It wasn't just... When you when you looked at what Brock Osweiler did with the Broncos, it was never that he played amazing. It was just, okay, you know, he played all right, we think, and the, then you projected that he could grow. So at least with Garoppolo, we saw uh, some really high-level play. I mean, on the road to Arizona... I mean, I know that Arizona had a bad uh, bad year, but they still had a really good defense on the road at Arizona and then was lights out against Miami in week two before the injuries. So I think you saw a higher level of play. He's a little bit younger, so I'd be interested. But I'd probably cap my offer to the Patriots at about – I don't think I'd offer I, – I don't think I could bring myself to offer him the first-round pick, which probably takes you out of the marketplace for him. But if, if they would do two seconds like um, – the Texans were able to do with Atlanta for Matt Schaub, that would be something I would do for Garoppolo.
0: Yeah, I think the thing with Garoppolo for me is, you know, if you think he's the answer, I guess it depends on what you think his ceiling is. But I, I keep thinking about this with the Texans. If if you feel like you got the answer at quarterback, which might be, hey, he's a top 12 quarterback or something like that, because that might be all you need with this defense that you have next year, assuming that it, it can... Continue to grow, and, and you've got all these great players on defense and a number one ranked defense with JJ Watt coming coming back, which we'll get to that. But uh, to me, it's like I'd give up four, fourteen number one first round draft picks, you know, if you had the right quarterback. Because it just seems like if they just get that right, it's over with.
1: Well, I I, I hear what you're saying, but we don't know. That's the thing. So I mean, I, if if you knew he was Aaron Rodgers, then of course. But we don't know, and. What I think what, what a lot of people forget is they have more than one hole. I mean, the offensive line was porous. Um, I think you need to uh, probably invest multiple picks on, along the offensive line. You're probably going to need a pick on, along the defensive line, a replacement there because Woolfolk's going to be gone. I like DJ Reader, but you at least need another body therein to rotate. Brian Cushing and John, J- Jonathan Joseph, what are their uh, situations? Are they going to be gone? You might need a draft pick to replace those guys and of course safety could use some improvements so if you knew he was Aaron Rodgers, sure give up uh give up this year's first give up next year's first that'd be fine but I just don't think we can't make the same mistake uh with you know like we did with Osweiler and and obviously they didn't give up draft picks for Osweiler but we don't know what they are because of the limited body work so I don't think you can go all out especially when the team has other needs
0: anything about what JJ said on Wednesday morning that you either thought was interesting or you thought was noteworthy, or was it just JJ coming out and saying, I'm on schedule and uh we'll see what happens and and uh not much else to it.
1: Uh I thought it was a little bit noteworthy that he seemed to have some self awareness about how intensely he worked out and that at in <laughs> I I almost said advanced age, but advanced age in football terms at his old, you know a little bit advanced age in, in in the in the world of football being i guess what 27 28 uh that he needs to he still can work out a lot he still can work out like a maniac but he needs to do it in different ways he doesn't need to be flipping you know monster truck tires maybe he doesn't need to do all the box jumps all the extreme things that were fine when he was 23 but maybe catch up with them a little bit now that he's uh that he's older so um if I don't think it's gonna affect his performance because I think he'll find other ways to to get the same result. I just think it's it's nice that he showed some self awareness and that he was able to um look big picture and think about extending his career instead of doing just sticking with, oh well this is what I've always done, so I have to always do it that way. So I think that was was noteworthy and uh, hopefully will lead to maybe adding a year or two onto his career.
0: Maybe the biggest thing I thought that came out of yesterday, and I talked about it on on my show yesterday, Brian, is the the deal that the training camp might be moved to West Virginia at least the first couple of weeks. And they said, "Oh well, right. we'll be back, you know, in, in Houston by the preseason." And I, I guess the reason I th- I thought that was big, and and the, you know, Bob McNair mentioned the effects of the heat and the humidity was. What they were looking at, but one of the really cool things, you know, has been the fact that the training camp has been in Houston. Fans can go out and see the players; they can interact with them. Uh, you know, that to me is something that would be lost because if they're coming back for the preseason, typically the, the times when they get to do that are, are gone once the the preseason games start coming along. I, I don't think, I don't, I don't recall them doing those kind of. Uh, fan days once that happens so to me that's something that that could be lost through all this
1: yeah no I was disappointed to hear that and I think I mean certainly you know the heat and the humidity would be less in West Virginia so that's that's probably going to be the company answer that they give out as to why they moved it but I think you and I know Bill O'Brien well enough to to realize this was probably about limiting media access and, and therefore limiting distractions amongst his team. I think this was a, a control freak move by a coach who uh, has kind of a love hate relationship with the media and while he respects some of the members and, and what they do and and, and things like that, I, I think he wants to I guess limit it and make it you know as serious as he can. And limit the distractions of the players. I do think there is an upside to getting away, and and that that having effect on kind of the team developing a brotherhood, so to speak. When you're when it's just you, there's no outside distractions. So I do think there's some potential benefit to it. But yeah, I, I don't like. I mean, if you, you could accomplish that by traveling to I don't know Oklahoma, Arkansas, I mean, going all the way to West Virginia seemed odd. And like you said. um on the Mark Berman tweet, it said they come back by preseason. I, I think you're right. I think the open practices were completely over after the first two weeks uh, for the fans. by the time the preseason starts, so those might be eliminated completely. So I mean, it might have some potential benefits, but I don't. I don't believe they outweigh the negatives. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm against this move.
0: Yeah, that was the other thing I said. I thought, yeah, the cynic in me was that this is less distractions, quote unquote, for. O- O'Brien would probably believe for the, the players. Yeah, because the
1: media attendance is going to be cut, what, at least in, by uh, two-thirds, three-fourths. you know three-fourths. Uh, I, I know from our own staff, we'll, we'll go from having everybody out there every day to maybe sending a couple reporters that we rotate just to get sound. So, yeah, it's going to cut media attendance drastically, which is, I think – Part of what a Bill O'Brien wants.
0: Haven't had a chance to talk to you about this, but the last thing I want to hit on was the 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 news that O'Brien is going to be the offensive coordinator. And I guess every fan just has to ask, well, if if that's the that what you're going to do to solve the offense is, you know, Bill's the lone offensive coordinator. Then why wasn't this done to begin with? I mean, it doesn't it doesn't seem like you've really accomplished anything. Uh, by by doing something like that. And and I thought, okay, maybe Bill O'Brien had less control of the offense than he was admitting to, but then Bob McNair comes out and says, well, you know, actually uh, O'Brien was calling most of the plays.
1: Yeah, I don't think it fixes anything, to be quite frankly. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, remember he pulled play-calling duties away from George Godsey in the middle of the season for an undetermined amount of time because he never really gave us a straight answer. As to when you know those uh, back and forth began and ended. So, and the offense was terrible. And he remember he didn't have an offensive coordinator in 2014 during his four, first year. And while the offense was better than it was this year, it was just ranked 17th in uh, yards gained. So it wasn't like it was setting the world on fire. You know, I I I I thought it would have been best for him to hire someone else that could give him kind of a fresh look a fresh take on offense make some changes and obviously be someone he trusts enough to call the plays that way uh what I think if, if I think if you change th- some things up because I think I mean they talk about how oh how complicated this offense is it seems fairly you know I, I'm sure there's a lot of uh in-depth language and terms and concepts that uh that do make it complicated to learn it from a player's side but when you see it on the field it doesn't look all that impressive and frankly i think it might have be trouble being run by any other anyone other than tom brady and i think that's the problem they're taking something that was run by tom brady and trying to get non-tom brady's to run it so i think there's a overall problem with the offense both in its philosophy and with its play calling that having Bill O'Brien as the play caller stubbornly call the same things isn't going to fix, plus that they brought in an offensive coordinator from outside, not only could he give them a fresh look and a fresh perspective on the things that they're doing, but it would have freed up Bill O'Brien to focus more on the, uh, the head coaching duties during, during game day, uh, which would hopefully improve his game management, which has been a year-in, year-out, game-by-game problem. So, yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of the move.
0: Yeah, as much as I, you know, I must have a problem with the quarterbacks and that kind of thing. At some point, couldn't Bill O'Brien, if he was the co- head coach, say, "Look, you know, as far as the play calling goes, on first down, let's let's not run up the middle for the four thousandth straight time and get one or two yards because, you know, if I'm Brock Osweiler, even I would have gotten a little ticked off that, hey, I, I get it, you have no confidence in me." But it's not fair to me either to make it second and nine every single time that I step to the line on second down, and it, it put a lot of pressure. You know, I, I feel like on Brock and and on the offense when you when you have this uh, really conservative playbook, especially in the first couple of downs.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's I mean there are lots of things in there. I mean the Texans, and I wish I had the the actual stat in front of me to quote, but they were at the top of the league as far as if. The first play, um, at first down, they didn't gain anything or lost yards. They led the league in percentage of the times they then followed that up with a run. So that was predictable in that sense. So you had kind of a predictable offense in certain situations. You also had an offense that tried to run Braxton Miller on inside dives between the guards that were running flea flickers that were running Wattcat last year. I mean, all these different things that were they got try to throw Vince Wilfork a pass. I'm mean, all these instances where they got just way too cute and overthought themselves and that's coming from the man that's still calling the plays. So if you have a coach who's calling plays that are in in many situations are too predictable and other situations are way too cute and don't work and overthink overthinks himself, then what have you improved by keeping that same guy calling the the plays? So yeah, I, I don't have a lot of faith in this. I mean, obviously if they get a better quarterback, it can't get. I mean, it will get better, but I don't think they can get to a level, um, you know, where let's say Kyle Shanahan is under Bill O'Brien just by changing the quarterback. Is Kyle
0: Shanahan going to have a Super Bowl ring? What, what do you think is going to happen on Sunday?
1: It's interesting because if you're picking the Falcons to win, I think you're picking them to outscore the Patriots because while I, I, I do like Vic Beasley and some of the things the Falcons do on defense, I don't think many people have faith that the Falcons can hold the Patriots under, say, I don't know, 27, 28. So if you're picking the Falcons to win, you're picking them to score a whole lot of points against the number one scoring defense in the league. But I really like what the Falcons do with Kyle Shanahan. I'm a huge fan. Uh, they seem to have an answer for every defense they face. Uh, if you double Julio Jones, I've got other guys like Gabriel and Sanu they can get it to. Both running backs can catch out of the backfield. Both running backs can uh, run it between the tackles. And Matt Ryan just seems to be completely in tune with everything. So, uh, you know, when the whole when everyone picks one thing, this is kind of how I feel about a lot of things. When everyone picks one thing, like, Everyone picked Green Bay to beat Atlanta. I kind of go the other way. So that seems to be the case with New England. I like what Kyle Shanahan does. I think Vic Beasley gets some pressure uh, against Tom Brady. And I'll go ahead and pick the Falcons to win.
0: Yeah, I want the Falcons to win really bad. And I really hate the Patriots. So I, I think it's a done deal, Brian. I think the Patriots win. Because whatever <laughs> I w- want in a Super Bowl to happen typically d- doesn't happen. And the other thing is, if you're going to bet on something, you got to bet on Texans quarterbacks winning – the Super Bowl as a backup: Tony Banks, oh. David Carr, Matt Schaub—three, th- yeah. three of them, baby. We, we're going to have three of them, so that 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 would be my one counter to that. But usually, just bet, bet against Robert's heart, and that's always a, a sure bet. So uh, the P- Patriots win the Super Bowl. I well, that's
1: a buzzkill way right to end the podcast. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. Hey, uh, remind everybody uh, the show. Yeah, we're on uh, we're on two to six Monday through Friday. The next two days, of course out at uh, Radio Row. We'll have uh, tons of uh, guests all day long. And, of course, you can find some of my writing on sportsradio610.com for any wrestling fans out there. I had an article last week about the Royal Rumble, but I'll have some more stuff football-related coming up over the the next couple weeks.
0: All right, great stuff. Thanks a bunch. Give me a couple seconds to wrap this. Locked on Texans up. Just want to remind everybody, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, or our Locked on Texans Audio Boom website. If you've got something you want me to talk about, just email me at LockedOnTexans at mail.com or go to Locked on Texans on Facebook and Twitter. Make sure to like us over there on Facebook and follow us on Twitter if you aren't already. Hey, everybody, thanks so much for making us a part of your day. You are Locked on Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network